the thing that I see with most leaders that I think is so valuable to understand is that when we hire a leader, most of the time, I would say like 90% of the time, it's because they are amazing at what they do, mm-hmm. not because they are going to be amazing at what we need them to be, Yeah, which is a huge gap. It's because of they're amazing at what they do, and we want to have them be able to train other people to do it. Yeah. But in order to be able to train those other people to do it, they need to know how. They need to know how to interact with others. They need to know how to build people up. They need to know how to accurately track someone's progress. They need to know how to tell the difference between whether someone is lacking a skill because they don't understand it and they need more additional training or if someone's having a bad month because of something personal they had at home. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to understand the other person as a whole. This week on the podcast, we have Christina Flores. She is a business coach that focuses on um, coaching managers and leaders, but also helping um, coach people in the hiring process. Um, She goes into depth about business coaching, about leadership, about hiring, about having one-on-ones with your um, employees. It's a very fascinating topic and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So we will jump right in. So welcome to the podcast, Christina Flores. We are so excited to have you here. Um, Christina is a business coach focusing on interviewing and executive coaching specifically. Is that correct, Christina? Yes, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for considering me. Yes, of course, of course. So would you mind giving us a brief um, background of how you got involved in coaching and what you do now, um, and then specifically what you love to do within coaching? There's a lot of different areas of coaching, and I always like to nail down that first. Yeah, I actually, in college, went back and forth between business and teaching. I couldn't find a balance, and so I actually was like, this is taking too long. What can I get that can get me out here the quickest? And my counselor was like, well, you can get psychology. And I was like, that is what I never knew I always wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) And so I ended with a bachelor's in psych. And I went off and I was like, I still need to do a master's and I still can't decide between business and teaching. And I was doing psychology in my current work, at least utilizing the aspects of it. And one of my friends was like, you know, you've been in business so long and I know you love teaching. Have you thought about doing coaching? It kind of incorporates all of that into one. And I was like, light bulb moment. Why haven't I thought about this ever? (laughs) Yeah, that's really how I got into coaching. And I've been a coach for almost two years now. And I really love it because it really does give you that opportunity with teaching to, you know, be creative, help people have their aha moments and just help them get past that little hurdle they put on themselves. Mm -hmm. And then it also gives you that ability to apply those business concepts because you're working with time management, efficiencies, um, broadening perspectives. So it's just really mean. It's definitely my passion for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about those 
pain moments um, that these people are experiencing, those kind of ruts in the road, so to speak. Um, so what are some of those for your clients and how do you help them get from that pain moment that to that almost like perfect moment, so to speak? A lot of the times what happens is people are too close to the situation to know what the real problem actually is. Mm -hmm. And so when they come to me, they will come with one question, but by the end of the session, they'll have gotten to the root of the actual problem and they've pretty much solved it themselves or they've gotten that accountability themselves. The help is just figuring out what the right question is because like my old supervisor used to say that I admire because he's an amazing leader um, is that usually the third or fourth question is the actual question the person is trying to ask, Mm -hmm. but they just need to talk it out to get to that stage. And that's what I help do because I bring a perspective from a psychology background, from a business background, from a customer service background, and just from a general 10 years plus experience with interacting with different problems within stages because I've done systems testing, I've done leadership, I've done customer service, I've done all these varying aspects. So I bring a unique perspective that they may not fully have access to. Yeah, that's really interesting. So then to get to the, that, I guess, that third or fourth question, are you simply just asking questions and listening, or are you just kind of reinforcing and restating? What does that look like? What, what does the session look like for you then, so to speak? The true tell of a coach, because so many people can claim to be coaches. You can be a coach without being certified in most states, and even someone with experience can be a valuable coach even without certification but the true tell of a coach is that the person doesn't tell you what to do they help you find the problem itself and that's where you'll see the difference um so in our sessions what we would do is first I like to get to know the person so I know where they're coming from and get a bigger perspective of them because you're meeting these people for the first time in an hour session. You don't know their history. You may have never seen them. And so I like to get a really well-rounded perspective. I'll ask them about, you know, what kind of perspective they had as a child, what their background may have been, what their favorite part about their current position is, and what their current concern is at the time. And then what I'll have them do is I'll have them take a personality test. And I do this because what it does is it kind of lets you have a better perspective into yourself. It might not always match up with what you think your personality is like or what you think motivates you. And so it's an eye-opener for them. But it gives me a chance as well to know, okay, are they more analytical? Are they more gut instinct? Are they the type of person that is motivated by money or are they the type of person that's motivated by recognition? So that way I can see if they come to me with a problem saying, you know what, I don't like the current job I do. I don't feel appreciated. 
I can see, okay, well, you know what? Their salaries in line. They're not really motivated by salaries. They're needing that recognition. And then I can delve deeper into their day-to-day processes. I can delve into what their actual concern is because it may not be that they're not appreciated. It may be that the system they have to work with is not giving them the ability to show off those skills and get that recognition. So it may actually be the frustration of not being able to do their job at their best ability that they know versus not getting the recognition. Yeah. Wow. That that makes sense. That's a great deep dive. I'm really glad that you did that for sure. For sure. So talk to me a little bit more about these personality assessments. What ones do you do? And um, yeah, could you just speak on that a little more? Um, I like to do the free personality assessments that you can find online. Um, I don't have one in front of me, but typically it's about 26 questions or so. And the question may be like, I feel that I am in a crowd of people and I feel lonely. I am a good communicator. I am one of those people that prefers gut instinct over uh, reasoning. I am, and it just goes through and it kind of assesses where do you lean more towards intuition, emotion, scientific, and such. So it's really neat to see the process. And I can grab the name of the test real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That would be great. And we can probably link that to the show notes too, just so people have that opportunity to kind of dive deep into what they're doing. Yeah, and that's one of those things that I think they would find interesting even to do for their own teams because when you're dealing in a team environment, you may think that you're doing what motivates your team member, but actually then be frustrated at the results it's giving because it may not be the true thing that motivates them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then let's go into a little bit of that interviewing side of things. Um, yeah. When you're helping people do these interviews, are you also looking for that almost that personality and how they would fit into the team? Um, I'd, yeah. Could you just talk a little more on that? When I do the interview coaching, the important thing that comes out of the interview coaching is that most of the people that come for interview coaching, it's either that they have gotten burned in so many interviews that they lack the confidence going into the interview, or they don't know how to answer specific questions. And a lot of the questions will typically be behavioral-based questions, and those are the ones that are showing off all those leadership skills. And so it'll be time management, it'll be communication style, change management. And so you have to really be able to communicate those in a way that not only shows that you have the skills, but that you're strong in that skill and can be an asset to the team that you're going into. 
And so a lot of the coaching focuses on how to communicate, um, how to make things stronger, how to associate all of those good benefits you already have to the benefit that you're going to be bringing to the team, as well as really understanding the job description, because a lot of people will see a job description and assume, okay, I kind of fit into this without reading the in between the lines of what they're going to look for in your examples, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. That does make sense. That does make sense. And you're, you're basically helping them understand the psychology behind the job description, but then also helping the word choice and the, the tones and the, the how you approach the, the interview, correct? And the finesse of having those interaction with people. Because in interviews, you may have, I had an interview where it was eight of us in a room facing each other, and we all got asked the same question. You have to be able to stand out. You have to be able to articulate. You have to be able to be confident in those interviews. You have to be able to know how to really effectively be an inclusive team member in that manner as well in those type of interviews. So they're seeing a lot of your leadership skills within those style of interviews. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. So then what would you tell um, a, a leader who, I mean, is interviewing these people too, because I guess there's two sides of this interview um, area. Mm-hmm. Tell them to ask that might be different than um, just your average show interview question or how, how do you help these people um, really show their true assets and how they are going to help the team? Um, for the first part of it, a question to be asked, the questions really are not as important as people make them out to be. It's the interaction itself that's the more important. If you go into interviewing someone and you're just asking question after question after question, or if you're using the tactic, which a lot of interviewers will do, where they'll be silent immediately after asking the question, those types of interviews are very interrogative versus interview and conversational. They try to see how the person will react to stress or to the silence itself and see if the person will provide any information that really isn't needed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... I think the better thing to do is when you ask the questions, relax your body so it shows that you're inviting, you're not um, opposed to the person in front of you. Relax your tone and slow the question down because then it gives the other person the chance to feel comfortable and welcome in the situation and make it conversational because If it's not conversational, you're not getting the best aspects of the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. They're going to feel subconsciously threatened in the situation or self-doubt, and they're not going to perform. And the whole point of interviewing the person is to see their best assets and to see if that person will be a good fit within your team. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that would also relate to having a one-on-one as well with your, with your team after the fact. Um, I think those concepts and ideas would still definitely apply to that in terms of having a body language that is appropriate, having a tone that's appropriate, having a conversation rather than a, a questioning attitude, um, a hostile environment, so to speak. Would you agree I definitely would agree. And the thing about the one-on-ones is that most people going into a one-on-one say, oh, no, I'm going to the principal's office. That's Mm -hmm. how I feel. I even feel like that myself sometimes, even though I have a amazing supervisor, Mm -hmm. I get anxious when I get a meeting notification of one that I wasn't advised of (laughs) prior (laughs) to. I'm like, oh, no, what did I do? Let me think about (laughs) what I did today. Oh, no. Uh, And so that's just our natural instinct as humans because we're like, we're so ready to please the other person and we want to do a great job and we want to be there. We want to be passionate about it. So when it comes to those one-on-one sessions, the more you can make it feel like you mentioned and like I mentioned, like a conversation that is a collaboration, the more genuine the response you'll get from the other person, the more authentic the other person is going to be, and the more ready the other person is going to be to receive that constructive criticism, which is so huge because if you want someone to change, You can't just come in and say, you didn't do this right, you didn't do this right, you didn't do this right, and not say anything positive. Mm -hmm. If you want somebody to accept anything you're telling them, you have to at least have two or three positives in there, or else all they're going to think is, every time I come to you, all I am getting is in trouble, or Every time you come to me, all I'm getting is trouble. So I'm going to avoid the situation. I'm not going to be accepting of what you're saying. I'm going to probably most likely after the first or second negative thing going to tune out because it's not valuable just knowing the negative things. It's valuable knowing the good and how you can change those opportunities into Mm -hmm. the positive. Mm -hmm. And you have to approach it that way or else you're just going to have employees that are just not invested in your cause or in your vision. And that's the worst thing you can have as a leader. Yeah, no, absolutely. And not engaged in your company either, regardless of what role they're in. That's really important (laughs) in today's business world. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else to add for that? I would think that one-on-ones is something that it's important to have once a week or once every other week. And it's important to have ones not even when you have something that the person has an opportunity on. It's important to have ones if you notice, you know what, last week my team did amazing. They brought up their percentage on such and such and they saved us money have that one-on-one reinforce that positive outcome. If they get that reinforcement, you know what? The next two weeks are probably going to be almost just as good Mm -hmm. because they're reinforced, they're excited, they're rejuvenated, and they understand that they are meeting 
your specific needs and the company's needs, and the outcome is great. Now, if they just spent that whole week having amazing results and you meet with them on a one-on-one and you say, you know what, all that's great, but you guys aren't doing this, this, and this, then it's going to set up that feeling of I'm never going to be able to meet their expectations. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get those detached employees again because they're not seeing that their positive and hard work is being recognized. And they will feel that on a subconscious level and eventually on a conscious level if that's all you're doing. I got I had one supervisor where every time we would meet, they would say, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, but this one good thing happened. So then they would say, okay, you need to come to me when you have a problem. But then I would feel like, oh, God, I can't come to you when I have a problem because if I do, you're going to say, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, this didn't happen. And so it makes the person kind of reluctant to go ask for help when help is needed. And you don't want that either. You want the person to feel like you have an open door policy, even if you don't. You want them to feel that they can come to you if something comes up, but still have the independence to be able to make their own decisions within that scope and feel confident in it. And they can't feel confident in it if, all they're getting is that negative feedback. Yeah, that's so important. I'm so glad that you said that, especially in regards to having those conversations regardless of if the the feedback is positive or negative. And honestly, more often if it's positive, oftentimes we think of a one-on-one being like this this negative feedback loop or this feedback loop that's got a feedback sandwich of a good feedback, bad feedback, good feedback. And that's just really not effective. And I'm sure that employees would feel awful if that, if they kind of just expected, Hey, this is not going to be a good conversation. Um, I'm going to get shoot underneath the mat a little bit. Um, yeah, that's really fascinating. I'm so glad that you said the the once a week or once every other week too, because I really think that having that constant conversation is so incredibly valuable, especially to build a relationship too. Um, work is not just a, it's not just a work atmosphere, like work and life are coming into one at this point and we need to have those relationships with our bosses or our coworkers, our employees um, to really have an effective team and to have an effective community um, and company for that matter. Yeah. Well, and you have to think about it this way. You spend more time at work than you do at home. So work has to be your second family and you have to treat it that way. If you want to have long lasting retention, I've been with my same company for almost 10 years now and I've had many supervisors within that company where if they would have said, you know what, we have to cut everybody's hours in half so that we don't have to lose 40 people, I would have been like, I'm signing up. Who's next? Yeah. And that's huge. That's huge when it comes to a company. And it's because I had several leaders within my company where, you know what, when I was going to transfer to another portion of our company to a different underwriting company and they weren't going to pay 
for my time off to move to another state, my leader said, you know what? I will pay for it. You go take a week. Wow. Yeah. Huge. That's huge. huge. Yeah. Yeah. When your leader comes out every morning and you have 200 and something people in your area and he comes to you and says your name and says, good morning, Christina. How are the kids doing? Mm-hmm. Huge. How do you think the rest of my day went? My yeah. director knows who I am. Yeah. Yeah. You so, know, so and really you good. have to be able to know or have some sort of connection to the people you work for or else why are you going to feel invested money is not going to keep you invested you're always going to be able to have an opportunity to get a different job a different higher paying job a different location so if you are not invested in the people you work for what's going to keep you there yeah Absolutely. And likewise, vice versa. If you're not investing in your people and not building those relationships as a manager, you're what's going to keep you there, you know, like money will only go so far. So. Exactly. And how do you expect someone that spends eight hours a day plus in your company that's staying away from their family, that's staying away from maybe a side passion that they have, to be there if they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So relationships are so important, regardless of if you're interviewing um, and starting to build that relationship, or if you are a leader or manager or an employee um, in a company after that interview stage after. Yeah. Wow. Well, I always tell people, people don't quit jobs. They quit people. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't be any truer. I have friends that I had worked with at other companies where they left and they said, you know what? I couldn't take my supervisor anymore. That's the only reason why I left because an immediate supervisor can make or break your passion for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be that supervisor that is losing those good valued people because you're either going ahead and having that you know imposter syndrome and trying to prove that you're better than everybody else on your team even if you may not have the experience or if you're wanting to prove because the thing that I see with most leaders that I think is so valuable to understand is that when we hire a leader Most of the time, I would say like 90% of the time, it's because they are amazing at what they do, Mm -hmm. not because they are going to be amazing at what we need them to be, Yeah, which is a huge gap. It's because of they're amazing at what they do, and we want to have them be able to train other people to do it. But in order to be able to train those other people to do it, they need to know how. They need to know how to interact with others. They need to know how to build people up. They need to know how to accurately track someone's progress. They need to know how to tell the difference between whether someone is lacking a skill because they don't understand it and they need more additional training or if someone's having a bad month because of something personal they had at home. 
Mm-hmm. They have to be able to understand the other person as a whole versus the number of results that they're seeing because the person is not a number and their results is not an accurate picture of who they are or how they got those results. You have to be able to delve deeper into that or else you're not going to have an effective relationship with the person, you're not going to be able to know how to support them best, and you're not going to be able to know how to help them progress, which is such a big part of what a leader has to do. They have to be able to identify these things. And a lot of the times, the people that we are putting into leadership are not having the soft skills training that they need. They get a quick leadership training right before they go in so they know, okay, if something happens, what the paperwork process is going to be, and they get a little bit of experience on how to be a supervisor by backstopping, but they don't have that full experience of the know-how of how the relationships work, what to do when the dynamics and the team change, because you yourself are going to change a whole team's dynamic just by coming in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how to balance that new change, you know? And so it's so important that even when you get into that leadership role, even prior to getting into that leadership role, if you know you're going to be getting into a leadership role, do some LinkedIn soft skills training, do some online courses interact with the team that you are going to be potentially going into just to get to know them, meet with them a couple of times so they get to know your personality. When you get on the team and you start your day, one of my favorite supervisors, the first thing she would do is she would come in and she would go to each person's desk, say, how was your weekend? is there anything I can help you with to be successful this week? First two questions she ever asked every morning. Wow. That's huge. It's huge. It's simply effective and it's a small amount of time, but it really pays off in the long run. It's enormous. And if you think about it, this supervisor, she was very knowledgeable. I told her, you know what, I think I want to be an adjuster. I want to be a CSCR, which is a, claims adjuster at the time and I had been there almost nine months and I told her that and then a week later she comes to me and she said are you still wanting to be an adjuster there's an adjuster position open and I said yes I'll go ahead and apply real quick and the next day she did a practice interview with me the next the day after I had an interview and I got offered the job out of 60 people yeah it's She knew what I was wanting to do. She was able to keep that in her head, and she made it happen. And it was at a time when I hadn't even thought about it. I had thought, okay, well, I'm going to be an adjuster, but I can't apply until I'm here a year. And she was like, no, we're going to get you over there because that's what the leaders do. They're there to help their team get successful, and they're there to help their team progress and the hardest thing for most new leaders is that it's no longer about you yeah and it won't be 
until you're out of that leadership role because you're going from a role where everything is about you mm-hmm. to a role where it's never going to be about you unless something goes wrong. Yeah. Wow. And that is a hard, hard transition. Yeah. Very hard. And most people don't understand it. And that's why so many times a leader will get into a leadership role and then feel like they've been hit by a brick wall because mm-hmm. it's such a shock to your body. You're so used to your own successes being yours and getting that recognition and being able to be in control of your results. And that's why you see so many new leaders where they'll micromanage heavily, they'll make very high demands. It's because they know what their skills are, but they're not meeting their people where their people are. They're meeting them where they want them to be. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge gap. Mm -hmm. And that's why they get disheartened the employees get disheartened and there's such conflict and turmoil within the team because the team members are saying, you don't see me. Mm. And it's reflecting in their performance. Yeah. Wow. That was awesome. Thank you for going into depth about that. That was definitely eye-opening and I'm sure that our listeners will thoroughly enjoy that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, Christina, where can people find you? Obviously, on LinkedIn. Most people are on LinkedIn these days, um, but where else? Uh, well, that's pretty much it. I am on there 24-7 because I feel like other platforms really are not suited for business coaching because Twitter is a lot of, you know, talking about politics and popular things going on. Instagram is more for, you know, personal trainers and people that do other forms of uh, services. And Facebook is more, I consider, for like family and friends, unless you want to pay for ads and do things like that, which I'm a very minimalist coach. (laughs) (laughs) So I prefer being able to have that one-on-one interaction and also be able to put content out on a platform that is really suited for what I do. And the nice part about that is that when you check out my content, you know what I'm about right away. Absolutely. You can take a couple minutes and you can see what I'm about, what I'm passionate about, what I love doing, and you can always message me directly. I respond to almost everybody that messages. Um, I just request that when you message, you don't just say hi or how are you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of let me know what you're needing because if I don't know what you're needing, I'm like, okay, are you going to keep typing? <laughs> <laughs> How can I help you? (laughs) Yeah, that's always a bit awkward. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. So just to kind of help out, let me know what you're needing. And I would love to chat. And I'm on there 24-7. But it's such a good place for people that are leaders to go to as well. Because you're going to see so many varying perspectives on leadership. And most people only think that there's only one right way to be a leader. And the nice part about leadership is you really can pick and choose 
what works for your team and what works for yourself and be able to really develop that. You don't have to be self-conscious about your leadership style because there's no right way. Mm-hmm. No one has all the answers. Yeah. You just have to be able to make it your own and be able to know when to adjust for your team. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christina. We really appreciate you to be on here. And thank you so much for all of your valuable insights and um, understandings. I really appreciated it. Oh, this was so fun. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for all the hard work you do on educating leaders. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.